The views, statements and opinions expressed in this episode are solely our own, including our guest, and these do not necessarily represent those of our employers. Georgie and I'm Vijay Tharan. Welcome to our podcast Diversity and Inclusion Satisfying the Tick Box. Today we're going to cover our first episode in our Women in Tech series and today we are joined by Tracy Coldwell who'll be sharing her unconventional career journey from dropping out of high school and having no qualifications to having an amazing career in tech. Tracy if you could introduce yourself. Sure so um, my name is Tracy Coldwell I have been a recruiter in the technology industry for um, 19 years, um, and I'm also a diversity and inclusion advocate in in everything I do in my day-to-day job and also outside of the workplace. That's great. Um, Yeah, so can you just share the story of how you kind of made the decision to drop out of high school and kind of what factors influenced that choice? Sure. So um, I have quite an unconventional career story. Um, At school, in high school, you know, I was always quite a quiet student. Um, I did my work. Um, I was the the girl with the bad eyesight with the really thick glasses, just kept myself quiet, just did my work um, and, you know, tried my best. And outside of school, I was just obsessed with horses and I still am now. Um, unfortunately my home life um, in my sort of teens wasn't the best so um, just before my GCSEs um, unfortunately my parents marriage broke down due to my father's alcoholism um, and and as a result of that I essentially became someone who was kind of caring in a way for my dad um, because I was living with him um, there was a lot of traumatic things happening at home in relation to his alcoholism and therefore you know trying to manage my schoolwork um, became a real sort of challenge I literally didn't have the the mental capacity for that um, at the time you know we were talking um, in the late sort of mid to late 90s um, I think the education services were a little bit different then uh, it wasn't sort of something that was picked up on by the teachers that how come this student isn't you know she's normally in school suddenly isn't in school so I was kind of left to my own devices a little bit and and my parents kind of allowed me to do that due to what was going on um, at home so that sort of summarizes um, why I didn't complete my education it was kind of kind of forced in a way but kind of not you know it's quite challenging when you're 15 16 and you have all of that going on um, I did try and return to um, school in the sixth form to reset my GCSEs. Um, however, you know, when you're 16 and you've been spending some time doing part-time work, had a couple of part-time jobs, um, I went back and I didn't really feel comfortable with the sitting with the year below. <laughs> you know, it's all about kind of perceptions, isn't it, at that age? Um, and I moved out of the area. So um, again, I stopped going and just started working. They said I could come back again the following year. Um, I tried, but I discovered this kind of new freedom of my life and music and festivals and things. I lasted one day. It just wasn't working for me. 
um, being able to study, it wasn't the career path that I was going to go down. So that summarises why I dropped out of high school. Yeah, I feel like at that age as well, it's such like a, a pivotal time for people when you grow up, isn't it? When when traumatic things like that happen, it definitely has a knock-on effect because I guess school is pretty intense as well. So um, how did your family kind of respond to to dropping out of, of school? Um, I'm very fortunate in that my family very much allow me to be my own person and they always have done. So there wasn't pressure like you must go to school. I think my parents kind of understood the situation that we were all in. Um, there was a lot of heightened emotions at the time. So it was a case of, well, you know, you're going, you're working, which I was. So it wasn't like I was just sitting around the house doing nothing. I had a couple of part time jobs. I was being proactive. And that's something that my parents have always instilled in me and which we'll go on to talk about my career has enabled me, I think, to be able to still be successful despite having no qualifications. Thank you, uh, Tracy, for sharing that. And I want to know, so in terms of, you know, mentorship and having a mentor, did you have any kind of mentors or role models who really played a significant role in guiding you to where you are today? I didn't have any mentors as such. Um which is why I love to mentor now. I mentor quite a few different people. However, um, my dad had his own business at one point and, you know, growing up, I always saw him working really hard. Um, you know, we, we grew up and well, I grew up originally in a council estate in Bristol that wasn't the best. And, you know, I watched my dad and, and my mum work hard and we, we bought the council house and then, well, we, they bought the council house and sold it. And then we moved to another area. Um, and my mum as well, she always worked, she worked nights um, to enable us to, to enable her to be around after school, for example, um, when I went to school. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think my parents certainly, you know, instilled that in me to, to work hard um, and you will succeed. Um, but as an actual kind of, external role model I wouldn't say that I had one I'm just very motivated which I appreciate not everyone has that ability yeah definitely I think also with I mean from my experience with school I absolutely hated it as well so I think also being being dyslexic in the education system is definitely um a struggle because it's kind of not not made for dyslexics basically um but I just wanted to know have you had any kind of like personal revelations from kind of reflecting on this time um as to maybe why the traditional education route wasn't for you yeah absolutely so um through my uh, equestrian interests um my grandmother always used to take me to the riding for the disabled center um, and I would always volunteer there and support um, the riders who went there. So um, I've always been around people who um, are neurodivergent. And in the last sort of 10 years or so, it's really become apparent that I think that some of my education struggles during the, the difficult times at home was down to ADHD. Um, I can hyperfocus extremely well on things that I like. Um, things that I don't like which used to be like maths I'm um, not very good I was like bottom set for maths top set for English because I love to read um, so it was kind of over the over time really I, I look back 
to my school years and I think a lot of the issues that I had I just wanted to ride and not go to school and not think about it because I knew that riding was kind of my place where I could um you know um almost like stimming really I could um, relax um and then wind my brain and forget about things so um I think ADHD was definitely something that could have played a part as well um and it has worked to my favor in my career as I've moved forward um, particularly the hyper-focused element and being able to get things done when I really put my mind to it. <laughs> and, and Tracy, then, in terms of, you know, going to entering the tech field without any formal qualifications, did you have to overcome any sort of challenges or scepticism from others? Yeah, so I'll just do a brief summary. So I was working with horses when I finished um, school, where I say finished school, decided not to go anymore. And that was my career path that I wanted to go down. Then I had a revelation that I didn't want to um, do this kind of work. I really wanted to have my own horse and have a lifestyle to support that. And unfortunately, the equestrian industry doesn't pay very well. So I got a job um, doing data entry. I thought, well, how am I going to get some experience in an office? Because that's the route I need to go down. I got a job doing data entry. Um, I did that for a couple of years. That gave me some experience to show I could work with computers. Um, I was able to follow instructions, etc. Then I got a job working for um, an insurance company um, as an accident manager. So when you had an accident in your car, you'd speak to me. Um, I quickly moved into another role whereby um, I was managing sort of the corporate clients. Um, and one day I remember sitting there thinking to myself, okay, so I work really hard and I get paid the same as everybody else how can I change this so I did a bit of research and I thought sales sales is the way to go because you know you can influence your earnings and I started looking around and I um, had a couple of interviews with recruitment agencies and they happened to be technology agencies so I literally just fell into it um and that was back in 2005 so um I started working for a tech recruitment agency um, and then I moved on to another tech recruitment agency where I focused a lot on telecoms and technology and it just really spiked my interest. So it was kind of like by accident that I've ended up shaping my career as a tech recruiter, really. That's really interesting. And I, I don't know if you've got any kind of advice if someone is facing kind of similar things and is going through something similar to you did if you've got any advice into how maybe to get into tech or getting into the field that they want to sure i love doing uh the old-fashioned venn diagram um and with the career workshops that i run um with various charities and, and young people i mentor i always do this i kind of think about your strengths and the things that you want to do. And then using the old fashioned Venn diagram with the, the circles, you can then pull together your strengths and what you enjoy doing and being able to focus on something. But equally, I always give advice that just try different things as well, because, you know, I'm, I'm now 40 and I still don't really know what I want to do with my career, but I'm just here in tech as a recruiter and that's what I really enjoy. So I think experiment and the beauty of tech as well, it's so rapidly changing, um, you know, 
you don't have to just stay in one area. Um, you can explore different areas of technology, whether it be programming, project management, cybersecurity, you know, the list is endless. Um, but just try it, research, get as much experience as you can. Um, there's a lot of free training um, resources online, which I always recommend people do as much as they can. There's a lot out there that you can just sort of play around with and see what you enjoy and build that profile. I love what you said, Tracy, because um, a lot of it resonates with me because I have taken, I've got an unconventional path as well to tech. I, was, I came from policing to tech. So in terms of trying things out, finding out what you like, what you don't like, and that's how you build your interests as well going forward. So I want to know then coming into the workplace, how do you, as someone who's taken that unconventional route, promote diversity, equity and inclusion within the workplace, particularly for women in tech? Yeah, you know, I think traditionally women in technology has always been um, a minority group. Um, you know, we only have to look at, um, you know, Fortune 100 lists and you see that CEOs are mainly white males. Um, and that is something that, to me, I want to change. I've always been pushing and then being that advocate for the underdog. I think someone that's grown up in a typical kind of working class family, I know I have my privileges being a white woman as well, but still I feel that it's always been a passion of mine. If I see someone that is not being treated fairly, I want to speak up for them. Um, I've always been encouraged to speak up for myself and I appreciate not everybody has that voice. So I think um, being able to kind of call out and you know, open up opportunities to women in technology is important. I think with the shift of us, you know, working remotely more, it enables women, obviously usually the, the caregivers in the family to have more flexibility with working um, as well, which is important. Um, and I think looking at different roles is something that I push on where we could bring women back into the workplace you know I've run a returnship event before where women have been out of the workplace doing you know bringing up families etc um, we identified a number of roles where we felt that they could come back in and we could train them up to have a career in tech um, you know those are other options to to look at as well um, as well as you know being open-minded and um, when you're hiring and thinking about the soft skills and transferable skills rather than looking for someone that you know ticks all the boxes yeah definitely and I think like you said I do think it's come a long way from just being predominantly kind of white males in tech um but I just wanted to hear in your experience how do you think the kind of tech industry has evolved in terms of um recognizing non-traditional paths into the field, especially for women? I think with the more discussions that we're having now about neurodiversity, I think that's definitely helping bringing more women into the workplace um, in the tech industry as well. Um, you know, women that are neurodivergent um, often are late diagnosed in life. Um, and often very good in technology related roles due to kind of problem solving, um, being able to, you know, figure things out in a different kind of way, um, giving that different input into solutions, which is what we need. 
think I, I think I have to agree with you, Tracy. There, and I, I just wanted to take it back in terms of you know being in the tech industry and uh, not having any formal qualifications or uni degree. Did you ever face any challenges in the workplace regarding that, or have you seen anyone go through that in in the recruitment process, for example? I had a lot of shame about it. It was my biggest secret. Um, I only felt that I could talk about it in my current workplace because I felt like I could be myself. Um, so I basically kept that to myself for, what, until most of my career, until nearly six years ago. Um, so I think there is a lot of shame. Um, I think when you're working with people who are super intelligent that, you know, have degrees, masters, PhDs, you can sometimes feel like you have imposter syndrome. And I think I probably had that for a long, a long period of time. And then something switched. I felt because I could be myself, I've gone the opposite way now. Instead, I'm like, yeah, this is me. I can do this. What can I get away with today? <laughs> you know. So I've kind of switched it round. But in terms of when um, I'm hiring and I'm looking at um, CVs and job specs, something that I like to push on is, you know, you're often seeing in a job spec experience or a degree in computer science. And what I like to do is change that or qualified by experience. Um, I hate to see in job specs that, you know, you must have a degree in X, Y, Z because I think women, especially when they're looking at a job spec, if they don't tick all of those boxes, they won't apply. Where it's um, a known fact that men will apply, even if they meet, say, 50, 60 percent of the criteria. So I think if we make the job specs more appealing and open so people don't feel intimidated because they don't have the qualifications, but they're very experienced, then that's going to open up more applications and people to feel more confident that they do belong in that environment. Totally agree with you there. And uh, that's the thing. It's about making the job uh, description more accessible. But also, it could be as simple as having a line underneath the job description saying, hey, we know that uh, you might not have all the necessary uh, skills or hit the, all the bullet points that's above, but still apply, go for it. We'll look at other things other than like qualification, for example. One thing I, I wanted to also that you said that resonates with me is about imposter syndrome. I think there's a lot of people that actually have imposter syndrome. How how do you deal with imposter syndrome? I think it's quite hard to describe, really, in that it was almost like some kind of epiphany. I woke up one day and I was like, no, I'm not having this anymore. I'm going to be the opposite of imposter syndrome in like putting myself out there seeing what I can get away with. Obviously, that sounds a bit sneaky, but you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, no, I'm not having this anymore. Um, this is me and this is who I am. So it's kind of about owning it. But I think quite a lot of self-development probably got me to that point, a lot of reflection um, and being comfortable in my own skin and, and body. Um, and again, I think being in that work, right working environment and being surrounded in the workplace and socially with the right people really helps you do that you know you want to be around I call it sort of the drains or the radiators I want to be around the radiators I don't want to be around the drains so I think looking at your life and positive 
aspects and what you can do to make yourself feel good really eradicates imposter syndrome you know think about your day what how you can start it feeling positive and building on that each day because otherwise if you start feeling like you're not good enough you can't do this then it's only going to go downhill so um but yeah there has been times where I think I can't do this in various aspects of my life but I like to look back and think no look what you've done I think that's always a good way to overcome imposter syndrome just think about what you have achieved rather than what you haven't and then you can build on that yeah definitely I think I think reflecting is so important to just when you're having moments of doubt and you're not sure if you're good enough to do this job job or whatever I think it's definitely important to reflect and see how far you've come um and also having having a good team and people around you to support you is another definitely important thing so we always kind of end our episodes with um a key takeaway so what would your key takeaway be to our listeners I know you just said a really I mean your last your last sentence was very good but yeah have you got kind of a a key takeaway for the listeners oh that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) I think be yourself because you can't be someone that you're not. You can't carry that on long term and remain happy and be successful. Um, and if you don't feel like you can be yourself, think of some ways as to why that is and work on that. It's a good key takeaway. Yeah, this is my best piece of advice. You can't, you've got to be yourself, haven't you? And sometimes you know it's um being myself works against me <laughs> I can't be anyone else I'm like oh well, this is me so this is how I am and I think being in that right place where you can be yourself is so important um socially and in the workplace that's so true and you gotta own it because there's only one of you unless you're Georgie and she's a twin but there's a <laughs> just own who you are and and go out there because life is too short as well and uh, on this note, I just wanted to conclude, Tracy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I absolutely love your openness and honesty. Yeah. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. And one last thing I'd just like to say is the worst thing in relation to your career in Korean tech, the worst thing someone can say to you is no. That's it. So you've got a 50-50 chance. Give it a go. So Definitely. Yeah, just go for it. And yeah, I wanted to say thank you. Um, as well it's been really great hearing your journey and how you can still do so amazingly even without those formal qualifications um, and thank you to our listeners for joining us this week uh, make sure that you're following our podcast on Spotify um, and feel free to give it a rating and review as well, well thank you for having me thank you Tracy and uh, keep your eyes peeled for our next guest and the episode uh, which will be dropping next month thank you again and we'll see you next time on diversity and inclusion satisfying the tick box Thank you.